And welcome to season three of the JKR podcast presented by JKR Baseball. My name is Jay Shriglin and I will be your host. We're excited to continue the JKR podcast with season three of episodes. This season, we are expecting many great series with top-tier travel organizations across the country, while we also spotlight commits, collegiate, and professional players from across the United States. It is our goal to be the player's platform for all of prep baseball. As we continue to do this, make sure to stay on top of the J-Care podcast episodes, but also tune into the other features that J-Care Baseball presents. That includes blogs like the lineup card written by John Sparacco, player-based events like Battle of Indiana, Summit City Baseball Academy, and other events being announced very, very soon. With Season 3, that comes two new programs for athletes to enjoy. Those are the JKR Brand Ambassador Program and the JKR Athlete Creators Program. To stay on top of all these features, check out jkrpodcast.com to learn more. I genuinely appreciate everything you guys have done for me and the JKR brand over the past two years, and I hope to continue to build both the JKR brand and the game of baseball for years to come. Let's dig into today's episode after a word from our sponsor. Today's episode sponsor is Mind Baseball, located in Dallas, Texas. Their bats are made from 100% European beech wood, which allows for more density, which then leads to more power. I mean, who doesn't want more power? We all know chicks dig the long ball. Multiple studies prove that beech outperforms maple, birch, and ash that you're probably used to swinging. Beech wood straight grains mean for less breaks, and Mind Baseball exceeds the MLB regulations in that category. Are you also frustrated with seeing the dried paint spots on your barrel? Mind Baseball uses a family secret technique that leaves a perfect finish every time. If you set their bat next to another brand, you will make sure that you see the difference. Lastly, they also use a built-in grip to reduce vibrations. It is the same technology that is used to reduce recoil in rifles. Make sure to check them out. Go find them on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Um, on Instagram, their username is at mine, M-I-N-E, baseball. Check them out, but let's dig into today's episode. And welcome back to the JKR Podcast. Today we have Cub Scout team infielder and 2025 Nebraska commit Joey Senstock on the JKR Podcast. Man, you know, I met you there last weekend. It was great to meet you there. Great to meet you here tonight. Um, you know, thanks for coming on the show, man. Pumped to have you. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. How about you? Not too bad. You know, just got done with another interview. Interview number, you'll be interview number two of nine this week. So, you know, pumping a lot of content out this week to kind of get ahead of schedule. But, you know, here Monday night, you know, pumped to get this thing rolling. But, you know, before we dig into the whole baseball side of things, got one question I like to ask everybody to get it started. And that is, for those who don't know you, how would you introduce yourself? Who exactly is Joey Senstock? Yeah, so um, my name is Joey Sensock. I'm a 2025. Um, I go to Lincoln East High School in Lincoln, Nebraska, and also from Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, committed to play baseball at the University of Nebraska. And, um, yeah, I mean, just, just go from there as well. Okay, all right. So first segment I want to dig into is, you know, the travel baseball scene. I know you said there that la this past summer you played for a Legion team. Not something I see too much in Indiana, so I definitely want to dig into that. Mm -hmm. Now playing for Cub Scout team. So I guess just kind of take us through your travel baseball experience so far. Yeah, absolutely. So um, my freshman year, I played on the Nebraska Prospects in the summer. And then when I got into my sophomore year, um, me and a couple guys, especially my coach, realized how – good of a team our high school team is going to be and how much 
really have a chance to go deep into the state championship and stuff like that. So we all decided to stay on this Legion team and kind of build a super good bond, try to create to win a state championship because we all thought that was our best chance of winning it. And um, to go from there, I mean, to go from the spring, I mean, we, we ended up winning the state championship, which was one of my best feelings in the world. And then uh, we were in the summer. Yeah, we played a Legion ball with a lot of guys, players. And then um, they made a – we made a super deep run as we won state Legion. We won districts. We won um, regionals. And then we ended up making it to the Legion World Series runner-up. So when you say Legion ball, does that mean like it's still like all of Nebraska teams that you're playing or what does that look like competition wise in Legion baseball? Yeah. So it's, it's mainly all Nebraska high school teams and other people, it doesn't have to be your high school team. Other people can play on it, but for my team, it was only my high school team, but um, yeah, we play kids from Nebraska mainly. And then once you got, if you won state, then that's when you get to play other kids from the country and stuff. So then we went to regionals. And um, they played a lot of good competition there. And then we made it to the World Series. And the guys made a really deep run there. Yeah, so obviously having a really good team there, winning the state championship this past spring. But what benefits do you think that's going to bring this 2024 Lincoln East team for you guys? You know, like you said, creating those bonds, playing together this past summer. What benefits do you think that's going to bring you guys, you know, six, seven months down the road? I think the benefits of doing that is just, like I said, again, we've created such a special bond that I think why is one of the reasons we want a state championship. And I think we're the reason we can go back to back, but also the reason that these guys, they just, they work so hard and we all love baseball. We all love each other, but like, I mean, at the same time, I mean, all the benefits just came through at the right time. And I would say that playing with all of them really just created just such a, good relationship not only with teammates but with the coaches i think that alone can help us go back to back okay so you said you played for the nebraska prospects before playing this past summer on your legion team i believe kale fallon has also played for that organization so i'm gonna go ahead and assume that's kind of like the powerhouse when it comes to nebraska travel baseball i guess kind of give us the rundown on that organization what that experience was like and you know what that team's looking like in terms of you know other power five commits like yourself yeah, uh, I played. So yeah, I played for the Nebraska Prospects my freshman year, and um, I know Kale. Kale's a freak athlete when it comes to hitting, especially. He's got one of the best raw powers I've ever seen. But um, yeah, I mean, it was really fun playing with a lot of guys. A lot of those guys now are committed or finding good schools as well. But, yeah, it was a lot of fun playing with those guys and stuff like that, and a lot of a lot of fun traveling around country as well. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it was just a good time. Okay, so, you know, after this past summer, Legion Ball comes to an end. Is that kind of coming to the end the same time travel baseball does? Or schedule-wise, what's that look like? Yeah, so, so so Legion Ball ended around kind of the start of school, which was kind of, I would say, start of August, I would say. And um, when it comes to travel ball and stuff like that, um, I decided to play fall ball for this year. I Last year, I decided to play it this year because I thought the benefits of, especially going to, like, Jupiter, were going to be very big for me. But, um, yeah, once summer ended, then we get fall ball and just go from there. Okay, so summer ball comes to an end. You decide you want to go play fall ball, playing for one of the best teams in the Midwest, Cub Scout team, playing for Jerry, playing with all these different guys from Illinois, Indiana. I know there's some mission guys mixed in there as well. Take us through that connection. How did you get connected with this Cub Scout team? Yeah, so I um, I played in the area code games, uh, underclassmen games, and um, – uh, a guy there, my teammate, Mason Braun, who I became really good friends with, 
um, just kind of talked to him a lot, started following him and kind of started connecting. And I saw that he uh, post of Cub Scout. And I, I looked at my data. I was like, hmm, maybe maybe we should take a look at this. And also, when I was at Area Code, I also had a really good relationship with the Cub Scout there, who was an amazing guy, who talked to me a lot about baseball, the mental side, and stuff like that. But um, yeah, we just we just saw that and just kind of went from there, and everything turned out really good. Yeah. So you talk about you know the relationship you have with Mason, relationship you already have with that Cub Scout. You know, you playing for Jerry, Bobby, Chris these past you know this past weekend there at Grand Park. I believe the weekend before you guys were at Triton College and played, you know, pretty good JUCO school as well. What have been some of those relationships beyond Mason that you've been able to build so far with the coaching staff, but also with some of those other players across the Midwest? Yeah, it's it's really fun for me to always meet new guys, especially guys who are very talented and also take this game like seriously as well, but also who work very hard at this game. So when just we're developing a relationship with all these guys, it's been very easy for me just because, I mean, share a lot in common. It's just easy to talk to them, especially about baseball. But um, relationships have been built very well, I would say, especially with the coaches as well. I love playing for these coaches, and I'm looking forward for this rest of the season. Yeah, I've had uh, I've had all three, Jerry, Bobby, and Chris on the podcast. Obviously, we've had Mason and a lot of those. I think uh, I think when you were those first couple innings there Saturday night, I think you were the only guy that was in the entire infield that I had not had on the podcast yet. Because I think it was JT at catcher, Mason. I guess I haven't had Reed on, but I've talked to Reed before. Um, so I was like, you know, talking to your dad, I was like, you know, like at that point, you know, weren't the only guy, but until, uh, till tonight we had that changed, but, uh, you talk about that area code experience, meeting Mason, meeting that Cub Scout, you know, you being a guy who's the class of 25, that's probably this past summer, one of the best events that you can go to take us through that experience. I know the atmosphere is absolutely incredible. Get to meet a bunch of people. Just take us through what that area code experience was like. Uh, Eric code is definitely something I will never forget. It's definitely one of the best baseball experiences I've ever had, but I mean, it's just, it's just the, the thing of representing, I would say a major league team, especially for your region was one of the best feelings. And I mean, when you, when you get that call, just saying that you got, you got invited, it was a moment I would never forget. And I probably had the biggest grin on my face I've ever had. But, um, when you get down there, it's, it's crazy to think that like, wow, you're, you're here. Like you're here, but now it's time to perform. So when you get on that field, your your mental kind of stage and your intensity kind of changes, and you go like, all right, now it's go time. And but to play in front of all those guys, all those scouts, all those coaches, from my family as well, it was definitely a moment I will never forget. Yeah. So with that with that atmosphere, you know, a bunch of scouts in the stands, a bunch of coaches, you know, families for all those players. How do you kind of block that out and not really focus on how many people are in the stands and still just focus on the game of baseball when you're at yeah. a event like that? Yeah, I mean, the best the best thing I always told me is that once you step over the line, it, it's go time. You got to try to block out the noise. And my dad has done a really good job of teaching me that, of just trying to block out the noise because there will be noise, but you just got to block it out. But the best way I can look at it is you just got to keep your eyes focused on the play because once – I mean, yeah, it's cool to look up and take in the moment and stuff like that. But once you focus on the play, you kind of block out kind of the view and the sound as well, especially when you're up at the plate, you can't see any of that. All you just see is the field. So, I mean, blocking out the noise is definitely something I've been taught at a very early age. And I think I definitely developed that over the years. Okay. So I know the region that you're in being in Nebraska, you Mason, all those different guys were on that white Sox scout or the white Sox area code team. I believe for area code scouts are actually the coaches 
for the teams there. How do you get connected with the Cub Scout? How does that work in terms of talking to some other scouts at an event like that? Yeah, so from from Erica, I developed a lot of relationships with a lot of scouts, mainly the Cubs guy. He talked to me a lot. But um, just kind of going from there and developing a good relationship. Because before that, we looked at fall and we, was like, and we looked at my dad and I said, Dad, I want to play fall ball for a good team. So we started looking at scout teams. We started looking at like Kane, stuff like that, five-star national, stuff like that. But then we came across Ma- – and I saw Mason, and um, that really helped. Asked him a few questions, stuff like that. So going from there, I would say that it was pretty It was pretty simple. It was a pretty simple decision for me to choose Cub Scout. Okay, so with it, with that area co-team, you know, scouts in the dugout, scouts around, when you are having some of those conversations with scouts, with coaches, how are you picking their brains? Like, or what maybe some certain questions you're asking them about your game, about baseball in general. How are you picking, you know, guys like that who are just human books when it comes to baseball – how are you picking their brains? Yeah, um, the best best way I did that was just ask a lot of questions. And for me, it was not only so much about baseball and skills wise. I would say it's more about the mental part because I think I believe the mental part is a huge part of baseball and honestly life as well. So asking them about the mental side of like what what's like what's like your mentality or like what's like how do you calm yourself down stuff like that. So asking those questions were something that. I try to pick off of them, but I really, and going from there, I would say like, it was really good just to hear all that, just because it made me calm down and realize, yeah, this, they understand what they're talking about and stuff like that. So playing for Cub Scout team, playing for that White Sox area co team, you guys all have pretty much one thing in common, being division one power five baseball commits. When you're around so many guys like that playing, how are you, when you're around so many guys like that, how are you picking the brains of some of these guys, whether that comes to, you know, again, you talk about the, the mental side of the game or pregame routine or whatever it ha- happens to be. How are you picking the brains of some of those teammates on some of these top tier teams? Yeah, I mean, playing with a team like that definitely has its benefits. And it's not only because you're playing with a talented team, but you can also learn from them. Um, many because I, I play infield. So I looked at a lot of the guys on Cub Scout and started to learn a lot. I was like, man, I want that looks really good. I bet you if I add that, it would be make me even better. So watching these guys perform, I would say, is really good for me as well because then I can just learn off of them. And just be like, yeah, that that's something I need to do. Okay. So, you know, kind of moving from the whole travel baseball scene to high school ball, you know, again, you guys are that those 2023 Nebraska State champs there last spring. Take us through your high school experience so far, your freshman year, your sophomore year, you know, going through getting that final out in that state championship. Take us through the high school experience so far. Yeah, so freshman year, um, made varsity and swinged a little because um, I was faced up against uh, three Division One recruits at our high school. One is a quarterback at North Alabama. Um, one went to Wofford, and the other one was committed to University of Nebraska-Omaha. So it was definitely some tough competition, and coach told me it's going to be very difficult. But um, and I trusted my coach throughout the process and got bigger, faster, stronger throughout the offseason, stuff like that. So then we came sophomore year and I just I got my shot and I didn't want to I didn't want to like just ruin it or anything. I wanted to show everybody what I can do. So I went through sophomore year, had a really good season with the team as well. I think we lost maybe four games or so. Uh, went to state as the number two seed and made a really good run throughout. And we made it to the state championship against Millard West, played in front of the post 
loudest, craziest, atmosphere I've ever played against, especially playing at the University of Nebraska Omaha because it's so compact. It's just so loud. But it was definitely an experience of a lifetime. And that game was the most craziest game I've ever played. I mean, I think it was bottom of the seventh, like a runner on third, less than two outs, a ball's hit the left, and our left fielder named Troy Peltz throws out the guy from at third base to save us a state championship and it was then we went into extras and then it just from there I mean it lasted 10 innings so it was definitely one of the craziest state championship games I've ever seen and then I will ever play in yeah I'm sure so being one of those craziest games that you've ever played in one of the craziest state championships in Nebraska take us through that final out you know what's going on there how did it happen mm-hmm. the dog yeah. pile what was that final yeah. out looking like so when we definitely got two outs, I was, I was getting ready. I was I had a little grin on my face, and I was like, "All right, this this is gonna happen." But I was I was a little freaking out a little. But thanks to my center fielder, he looked at all of us like, "Hey guys, calm down. We still got one more." So we're up there, and I'm, we got Paul Shortridge on the mound, who's a lefty. Throws the pitch, and the ball's hit the second base. Sec, uh, our second baseman named Owen Lasik picks it up. It's a little jittery. I can tell he's a little nervous on the throw, but he made the throw. And as soon as that happened, I chucked my glove up in the air as far as I could. I actually ran to the pitcher's mound and tackled our pitcher and started it, started the dog pile. And um, yeah, just just screaming. And just after that, just hugged all my guys, told them I love them, so proud of them, and just tried to capture as much of the moment I could. Yeah. So with you starting that dog pile, was a little bit of hard to breathe down there when you know everyone's jumping on top of you. <laughs> It, it was a little bit. I felt mainly bad for Paul, our pitcher, who got the final out because he was definitely at the bottom of it. I had to apologize to him the next. I was like, bro, I'm sorry I had to put you at the bottom of that. But he's like, no, nah, no, nah, don't apologize. But um, it was it was a little hard to breathe at first. And then I felt bad because our first baseman, A.J. Vasco, uh, I think his glasses, his Oakley glasses broke. I was like, dang, that stinks, bro. <laughs> So with you guys uh, coming off a state championship run, you know, going through this past summer and, you know, building even a stronger bond, stronger connection within the team playing Legion ball, what are those expectations for this upcoming spring, expectations for the team, expectations for yourself? Kind of take us through the rundown on what this, you know, 2024 spring could look like. So obviously expectations for other people are very high for us and we're very aware of it, but we're also, we're also not affected by that because I truly believe that we were some of the hardest kids in the state. And these kids love to work. They love to lift. They love to throw. They love to hit. And our coach is really, really good at not only prepping us for season, but prepping us for college. And I think that is a really good benefit for us. But um, we we definitely know our expectations, but we definitely know what we need to do to repeat. And I believe that these guys are going to work even harder than last year. I believe these guys are going to play harder than last year. So I'm definitely very excited for this season. I definitely think we're going to be more advanced because we only lost one guy in our starting lineup. So we'll be definitely more experienced, but I'm very, very excited. Yeah. So only losing one guy in that lineup, you know, going into this next season, do you see yourself potentially as a leader or with kind of the same team as last year, do you think that leadership is going to come from the top with all the seniors? Yeah, I, I try to put myself out there as a leader, but um, there's definitely guys on the team who are definitely a leader when you look at them. There's Garrett Springer, who's our catcher and our DH and our first baseman, who is a flat-out born leader. He will run through a wall for anybody, and he's really good at speaking. Um, I mean, there's there's just so many guys that, honestly, if you look at I think all of us are leaders, and I think what, what makes it better is that 
none of the guys like will take it personal or take it bad. They will listen. They say, yes. And it's like, okay. And it's like, I think that's just really good for us. But um, for me, yeah, definitely becoming a better leader and definitely a better teammate. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I believe all these guys are leaders and I think that's what helps us a lot. Okay. So if, you know, looking back, looking back on this past spring, you being a, you know, somewhat younger guy on that team, I'm sure what price 15, 16 years old during that sophomore spring, you know, what's tougher playing high school ball when you are facing guys who are, you know, 17, 18 years old, seniors in high school, when you're a little bit, you're younger, or when you're playing travel baseball, facing up guys who are your same age, you know, going and looking at these past couple, I guess, this past weekend, playing guys your age in travel baseball, what's tougher? And is there an adjustment going from travel baseball to high school ball to even I want to throw in Legion ball as well? Is there a different a, an adjustment there? Yeah, there's definitely an adjustment. And um, I mean, they're both I mean, they both got their like hardships for I mean, when you play in the spring, especially big games like state or student sections, there's so many people. And definitely, like, playing in front of the crowd definitely gives you a little jitters at first. But after you make that first play, I think you're always fine. But, um, yeah, then when you get to travel ball, I mean, yeah, you definitely face top arms, top kids, kids who are very, very talented and educated in baseball. But, um, I mean, they both got their both got their hardships. But, I mean, there's not really one that sticks out for me who I consider harder. Okay, so looking at that competition level you guys are facing there in that Lincoln area, I know Norris High School, you know, that's where Kale and his little brother's coming from. I believe Kale's little brother is going to be a future teammate of yours, if I'm not wrong. But yeah, kind of is. through what that, that competition level in that Lincoln area, maybe the areas beyond that, what does that competition level look like on a week-to-week basis for you in the spring? Yeah, competition level is, is very good, um, especially in Omaha, because a lot of Omaha schools are – a lot of Omaha play baseball. Omaha's kind of been running Nebraska for a long years now. Lincoln definitely getting better and definitely getting up there as well. But um, playing Lincoln teams, playing Omaha teams, and we'll even play teams from other small towns. But um, the competition, even in Nebraska in general, I believe is really, really good. And, um, yeah, I mean, playing playing the guys from Omaha is really fun. Playing the guys from Lincoln is really fun. And it's just, it's just fun to play all these guys around the state. Yeah, so, you know, I always like to ask, your favorite high school memories, but I'm going to go ahead on a limb here and say that I probably know what that memory is, but I guess beyond that state championship, what would be some yeah. of those other memories that come to mind? Oh man, that's tough. I'd say other winning the state championship is when it was also in the state championship, but uh, it was bottom of the, no, it was top of the 10th or ninth. And we had a runner on second who is actually going to be my teammate later down the road, Troy Peltz, because he's also committed to the University of Nebraska. Um, we had AJ Nebraska, who's a K-State commit on first. And I'm up with, I think it was one out. Um, and facing a Creighton commit on the mound, Nick Van Tiger, who's really good, got a good curveball and all that. Um, I see a fastball, barreled it, ripped it to the right side, oppo. It just got over the right fielder. So definitely having that moment of the ball landing and knowing that I just like I put I put us up and we're up by one run the state championship with with three outs to go definitely was a moment that I will cherish forever. Yeah, I'm sure. So you talk about, you know, you said you're facing a Creighton commit there. I believe Creighton they're in Nebraska as well, correct? Yes, that's correct. Okay, so you have Nebraska, Creighton, you have Omaha as well, who I believe is a somewhat good baseball school as well. Mm -hmm. When it comes to – and this is going to kind of lead us into your recruiting process. But before that, 
You know, you got those three schools, very good baseball schools. When it comes to the whole recruiting landscape, going after guys, who kind of runs that state at the moment when it comes to getting a lot of the top prospects in Nebraska? I mean, I would, I would say Nebraska just because I because we're the Power Five school and stuff. But I mean, Creighton does a really good job. I met their coaches and they're really nice guys. They do a good job of recruiting kids. On the University of Nebraska, Omaha does a really good job of recruiting kids. I mean, all these, all three, all three of these teams and programs, I think, all do a really good job of recruiting kids and kind of just taking them under their wing, um, teaching them baseball and life skills. So I think all three of us are really good, but um, Nebraska definitely has its benefit of being in the Big Ten. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, that kind of leads us into your whole recruiting process. I mean, obviously you're wearing that Nebraska shirt now. (laughs) You'll be stepping on campus in less than two years now. Take us through that recruiting process. You know, when was it that it got started for you? When did you start getting noticed by some of those Division I coaches and Division I programs? Yeah, so I was very, very fortunate and blessed to be started at a very early age. Um, My travel ball team for the fall in eighth grade had a camp with – we first had a camp with the University of Creighton. And had a really good showing there, and I could tell the coaches were interested, and even the coach told me. Then we got, I believe the next week, we got a camp, just our team, with the University of Nebraska. And this is the one that I really wanted to do well in because Nebraska's been my dream school ever since I was a kid. Being a kid growing, growing up from Lincoln, you're just, you're just bound to be a Husker fan. And that's just what it's like living up in Lincoln, going to Husker games at Memorial Stadium, stuff like that. So um, had a really good showing there. And what really, really set the tone that I knew that this is going to happen and, like, the recruiting process starts now is when the coach at the end told me, like, you had a really good showing, you couldn't have a better first impression, and maybe someday we can make you a husband. So that, to me, put a lot of joy to me in telling my dad was something I'll never forget. So then going out through the recruiting process, um, I got invited to the prospect camp the next year in January, freshman year. And had one of my best showings ever, in my opinion. I, I just did really well when it came to catching pop time, infield, hitting, running, I mean, all that. So the next day, I'm at a workout with my high school. And I get a text from my coach saying, hey, Coach Harvell, who's the assistant coach and recruiting coordinator at Nebraska, wants to call you. And this was before like, all like the NCAA rule change and stuff like that. So we were allowed to talk. But – um. Some I was, I was like, okay, this is this is really cool. So I'm in the car with my dad because I wasn't I wasn't allowed to drive yet. I wasn't 16. So we're on the call having a really good talk, and then he eventually says, "We're we're going to offer you a scholarship," and that was something again I will never forget. I mean, that was one of the best moments of my life. Just thinking about the opportunity of wearing the end and representing your state, your hometown, playing in Haymarket. I looked at my dad. I said, thank you so much. Gave him a big hug. And then I had to go back to my workout because we weren't finished. But um, then I came home and my mom, my mom knew the situation. So she ran out, got me a cake that said congrats. So that was really fun. But um, I mean, the group, the recruitment process was really good because before that, even before the Nebraska camp, I went to a Notre Dame camp. I went to an Arkansas camp because they were schools I was interested in and was invited to. But as soon as I got my Nebraska offer, I was like, yeah, this this is where I, I want to go. Because yeah. I, I I've always wanted to be a Husker. I love the coaches. I love the facilities. I love the 
atmosphere. I love our fans. I truly believe we have some of the best fans in the nation. I mean, as you may have saw, we set the world record for a women's sporting event for a volleyball game. That was a volleyball game at Memorial Stadium. So I just it's something that I will always cherish and something I'm always looking forward to. Yeah. So with Nebraska being that dream school for you growing up, you know, having a great first impression with that coaching staff, everything seemed to be going right there throughout that recruiting process. Did that make it hard to consider some other teams that were in that recruiting process as well? Yeah. Like uh, when I went to the Notre Dame camp, obviously I, I had a really, really good showing there, but um, in the coach, I could tell the coach, the coaches talked to me and uh, my coach, high school coach said, Hey, Notre Dame, you know, it's kind of in the conversation. I was like, okay, that's really cool. And when I went down to their facilities, I'm like, okay, this is really cool. Plus, it's Notre Dame. I mean, the history there is unbelievable. And when you think about it, I mean, the academics there are also really, really good. Um, then I went down to Arkansas, and their facilities were unbelievable. When they said, I mean, when they said, yeah, this building in our right field is $30 million, I was like, what? That's that's $30 million. So that that was definitely really cool to see all that. And But, I mean... I just wanted to represent my home state. I really did. And I felt I felt the best relationship with Coach Bull, Coach Harvell, and all those guys. So it was it was a pretty easy decision. But yes, um it was it was a little considerate of thinking of other schools, but once I got the offer, I was like, Yeah, I I I think I'm ready. Yeah. So your mid workout, you get that phone call, you get that offer. You said your mom goes, you know, goes and gets a cake for you. Did you know that night that Nebraska was gonna be the place for you, or did you, you know, give it a couple days to cool off and kind of see what the option, you know, kind of, I guess, when exactly did you kind of make that final decision? Yeah. Um, I was, I was pretty quick. I got the offer and the next day I actually committed because not only like did I want to go there, but like I knew that my parents were obviously going to be very happy if I stayed home, but I mean, they supported me. They would support me no matter where I went. But um, for me, it was very, very easy to make this decision. And I definitely made it very, very quick doing it the next day. Okay. So, you know, with that recruiting process, and we're kind of throwing it back there to the beginning, with it starting off there so early, you know, you said, I believe it was the fall of your eighth grade year going to a couple prospect camps. You know, you're talking to some of these different collegiate coaches. You know, you're still four years away, having even been in a high school class yet. Let's kind of take us through what's going through your mind as you're making these good first impressions, talking to coaches. Kind of what's going through your mind at that point, you know, still four years away from college? Yeah, um, I mean, going through my mind, obviously, announcing my commitment got a little bit of publicity and stuff like that, especially from Lincoln, like news and stuff like that. So it was really cool to see that. I was very blessed. Um, But also like going through my mind and my dad did a really good job of kind of calming me down and my mom as well. But um, they said like, yeah, this is cool. But like, you got to remember, like, you got you got you got a job to do. Like you gotta, you gotta go out there and perform. I was like, yeah, I, I understand that. So, I mean, going through all that was really, really cool for me, but uh, my parents and even my sister and my brother, cause my brother played baseball. My sister understands this sport. They were really, really good. at just kind of calming me down. Just kind of keeping me, keeping my head straight and keeping me just keep moving forward. Yeah. So I know for a lot of guys who commit there, their freshman, sophomore years, they generally get a little bit of harassment from uh, some opposing teams when they're playing the field. With you kind of staying home and staying in Nebraska, was it the same way, or did people kind of lay off you knowing that you were staying home to play college baseball? No, nah, I mean, it. I got a little bit just because um, I committed. I was very blessed to commit as, as uh, my freshman year, but I still got a little bit of, like, a little bit of comments and stuff like that. But I knew that was coming. My dad told me that 
coaches told me that. Um, but I mean, I tried to try my absolute hardest to not let it affect me. I think I did a really good job of it. And um, throughout the process, I learned that, like, I mean, this this is what it's going to be like. But I mean, it does, doesn't matter. It won't affect me. It won't affect me playing baseball. I just got to go out there and do what I can do. Yeah. So staying home. I know Nebraska does a very good job at recruiting some of those in-state kids. I think I was uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was looking at some of those Nebraska rankings. And I think Nebraska literally had nine out of the 10 top PBR commits for 20. I, I think it might be your class. I, I could be wrong, though. Don't quote me. I saw, yeah. I saw that somewhere. Um, so with you staying home, staying in the state, what are some of those relationships that you have with some of your future Cornhusker teammates, class of 25, 24, and some of those, you know, even guys on campus now? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I know a lot of guys on campus, uh, Trey Fromm, know him a lot, talk to him a lot. Um, but yeah, playing most of the guys who are committed with me as well, I I have played with, I've actually played with all of them. Um, I mean, I played with Drew Grego on Miller Elite. It was my 14U team. I played with Cal, Noah, Jace on Specs. And then I have Troy Peltz, who is goes to the same high school as me. And I, I'm, I'm very fortunate to call him one of my best friends. I'm very excited to play with him more years to come. So it's, it's I think it's very easy to develop relationships, especially in Nebraska, because I think a lot of people in Nebraska play with each other. But um, I'm very, very excited to play with all these guys again for the next four years or how long it takes me. Yeah. So, you know, what benefits do you think that brings just the University of Nebraska for you and your teammates for just, you know, as you step on campus, kind of already knowing each other? Yeah, I think it's going to be very big. I think Nebraska does a very good job of doing that because I think it builds a lot of good chemistry, team chemistry, bonds, relationships. I mean, when you when you go on a campus and you already have relationships like that it's just going to grow and grow and grow because you're with each other all the time and I think it just grows the more you hang out the more you talk the more you work out together I think honestly the best thing is when you compete with each other because pushing each other to the limits to get better to get where you want to be is going to be really good for us yeah so on the coaching side of things you know you commit there before that new rule came into effect obviously built a pretty good relationship with that Nebraska coaching staff Take us through the relationship you've been able to build with Nebraska and their coaching staff, you know, maybe how that new rule affected that for a couple months and even what that excitement was for, you know, August 1st, a couple months ago as well. Yeah. Um, building relationships with them is very easy because I mean, when you, when you're from Nebraska, that's all it's what you talk about. I mean, you just talk about being from Nebraska, Nebraska baseball, Nebraska football, Nebraska basketball, all of that. So it was very easy to talk to them. Um, Coach Bolt, I, I love that guy. I really do. I think he's going to be really, really good. I think he's going to really change the the scene of Nebraska baseball. Um, Coach Arvell, I have a really good relationship with him, talk a lot with him. Um, Coach Suriani, who's new with us, um, great guy. He's great to talk to. Uh, met him a couple times, talked to him a lot. Um, I mean, we we added more and more coaches this year, which is I'm very excited to meet them and all that when visits come around. But um, developing relationships with them have been very easy. Yeah. So, you know, with you being a guy from Nebraska, you know, like you said, you know, got people who live in Nebraska are big Nebraska baseball, football, basketball fans. When it comes to the pro side of things, what are some of those teams you're rooting for? Uh, I'm a I'm a Yankee fan for baseball. So my dad grew up a Yankee fan. He made me a Yankee fan. So we've definitely been good Yankee fans, but we also just love baseball in general. My mom, though, is a Cubs fan, so she's pretty excited about the Cubs scout team. Um, 
when it comes to football, I'm, football is my favorite sport to watch, especially college football. So I always root for Nebraska. When it comes to NFL, I root for the Vikings, and that can get a little rough once in a while, especially 0-2 start. <laughs> but um, it's it's all right. I still love my I still love my Vikings, and um, yeah, I mean it's it's fun rooting for all these guys, especially with my dad because we we share the same bond and team, same love. So it's really fun rooting with you. I'm sure. So uh, kind of last baseball segment I wanted to get into is you're on the field play. So fielding, hitting, you know, we'll dig into personal scouting report as well. Um, and with you being an infielder, I know you were playing third base this past weekend, but where do you see yourself at that next level when it comes to the position side of things? Yeah. Uh, when it comes to uh, the next, the next level and stuff like that, um, I see myself left side of the infield or behind the plate. I, uh, I am being recruited as left side of the infield and catcher as well. Um, it just it just depends where my body takes me, my physical appearance. I feel like stuff like that, and just skill set. Um, I mean, when I play for Lincoln East, I mainly play shortstop, uh, play third with Cub Scouts team, but I also I also catch a little bit. So um, it's definitely beneficial being able to play multiple positions, and hopefully, I can just get better and better at them. Yeah, so going from third base to catcher, obviously when you're catching, I mean, you have to know pretty much everything that's going on within the game. Take us through that adjustment from third base to catching, catching to third base, and even how that pregame routine changes for you having to catch the pitcher's bullpen and build a relationship with the pitcher. Yeah. Uh, kind of take us through that adjustment. Yeah, so uh, at third base, I mean, not much as priorities as catcher, but, I mean, you still got your priorities. So always got, I always ask – these two questions that I've been taught by my dad at the start, which is really good, which is what if I do, if I get the ball, what if I do, if I don't get the ball? So that really helps me kind of wonder where to go, what to do with the ball, where to be uh, prep step wise and stuff like that. So that's really good. When you get behind the plate, yeah, it's obviously a different mindset because you're, you, you're the guy who sees the whole field. You're the guy who's kind of in control. You're the, you're basically the leader in this situation. So you got to know, I'd say, like, you got to know who's up. You got to know your batter. You got to know what their weaknesses is. You got to know what your pitcher's doing right. Is he locating right? Is this pitch working? Is that pitch working? Stuff like that. And there's definitely there's definitely changes from going from third base to catcher. But at the same time, you're just playing baseball. Yeah. And I think that just really helps me. Just, just knowing that this, this is just baseball. You just got to do what you can do. Yeah, so when you are behind the plate, you know, what benefits does that bring to – you have a pretty good relationship with the pitcher. Yeah, um, being behind the play definitely builds relationships with the pitcher, especially when if you catch them over and over and over again and stuff like that. Because then you get then you get then you really know that guy, and then it gets easier to catch him and easier to like frame it, stick it, locate, call pitches, signs, stuff like that. So it, building relationships with pitchers is definitely a huge key of catching, and um, I try to do that really well with my pitchers. Okay, so are you calling games when you're behind the play? I I hope so. Uh, if I get the green light by my coaches, I'll definitely do it. But um, some coaches obviously like to call their own games, which I respect that. And obviously I'll do what they want me to do. But if I get the green lights, call a game, I'll definitely do it. Yeah. So being behind the plate, kind of knowing what that umpire strike zone is going to be on that given day and kind of just, you know, having a little bit more of a higher IQ in a way of some of those other guys. What benefits do you think that brings you being a catcher when you flip it on to the offensive side of things? Yeah, so, I mean, being a catcher definitely has an advantages. IQ, question, you just learn more about the game, more about positions. And then when you get to the offensive side, I mean, you kind of, you kind of translate catching and third base also in the hitting. I mean, you got to look at 
what's his pitcher's pattern? That's my first thing I always look at is what's his pitcher's pattern? Does he does he throw this pitch on 0-2? Does he throw this pitch on 1-0? Does he throw this pitch on 2-1? So that's the first thing I do. But then um, just kind of going from there, it really it's really just figuring out your pitcher, but also like what's what's hot and what's not. So if his curveball is missing, I'm gonna be looking for fastball. If his curveball is working, then I might be looking for curveball. So then um, when you get up there, I I take a deep breath, getting getting kind of that motion, get my little prep step, tap tap the plate, stuff like that. I always sit fastball because that's that's very beneficial. I don't want to be late on a fastball because that's not good. But um, always sit on a fastball. Think of the pitcher's pattern. Then, then you just gotta look at. I look at the snap of his wrist. If it snaps, I'm gonna, I'm gonna guess breaking ball. If it doesn't, it's gonna be a fastball. So when you sit there in my head, I'm thinking fastball, 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 fastball. And then as soon as he throws it, if I see a snap, I say curveball and swing. If I, if I, if I just keep saying fastball, then it's gonna be on time for a fastball and swing. Okay, so I kind of want to dig into your hitting approach here. You know, let's say you're on deck. Kind of what's going through your mind, you know, I, I obviously you're watching that picture, seeing that foot, uh, the wrist flip, all those different, you know, cues that you're looking for. Just kind of take us through what's going through your mind. You're walking up to that batter's box. Just kind of take us through that hitting approach. Yeah. So I try to figure out the picture as soon as I can, whether I'm hitting two hole, three hole, four hole, seven hole, eight hole. So when then when you get on deck, I always, I always first pitch, I always get my foot down, try to get my timing right. And then after that, I try to swing as much as I can try to be on time for each pitch. So again, looking at the pattern, looking at where she's locating. I also try to figure out um, what the umpire is calling. If he's calling high and I got two strikes, you, you can't, you can't let off. He's calling outside and I got two strikes. You can't let off. So then you get, you get up there, you take a deep breath and then you, you just kind of go through the process of the pattern that you see. Um, stay calm, get your prep step in, get all that stuff in. Then you get set. Um, you're thinking fastball, fastball, fastball until you see something. And then um, you just – I mean, I don't I don't try to do much of, like, thinking on my swing-wise. I just I just tell myself to hit the ball hard and just let the ball do what it's going to do. But um, there's that's just really all there is for me. Okay, so looking at your game's entirety, so this can be playing third base, behind the plate, hitting as well. If you were a scout watching your game, what would be that personal scouting report you'd write up on yourself? I would say, I would say definitely a talker. I'd like to think of myself as a talker on the, on the field, but um, I would say, I'd say um, a good, I'd say a good build. I would say, cause I've been told a little bit that I have a good build for third baseman and catcher, but um, as a scout, I would just look at a guy who would play very hard, talk, um, remind everybody of the, what's happening in the game ask some questions throughout the process, but also a guy who looks calm. So I try to play as much as calmness as possible, try to look as comfortable as I can. Okay, so looking at yourself as a ball player years down the road, let's say you're stepping on foot as a freshman there at Nebraska, kind of take us through some of those key points of emphasis within your development here these next couple of years. Yeah, so big focus is definitely speed. Uh, I want to I wanna definitely get faster for sure, but um, I've been working with a lot of guys, stuff like that. Um, but main focus is obviously getting stronger, improving numbers, um, improving uh, wideness, definition, stuff like that. But um, I mean, I just I just want to be the best baseball player I can possibly be. And getting on campus, I want to I want to get up there and be like, OK, this guy, this guy's come here to this guy's come here to win. 
and I want I want people to think that of me. But um, going forward, definitely getting uh, faster, stronger. But I mean, also getting more explosive. I think that's the biggest thing for me is getting more explosive. Um, I think also a really big key for me is just keep developing my mental side. I mean, um, I've talked to people who are mental coaches and stuff like that who are really really good. And um, I think developing the mental side is really important for baseball. So when you talk about developing the mental side, talking to mental coaches, what are some of those? And I, this is probably going to be a loaded question, but what are some of those key things that mental coaches are telling you? Because I've never really had the time to t- – not time. I've never really had the opportunity to talk to a mental coach. So I guess what are some of those conversations look like? Yeah. Um, I mean, there's there's a lot – there's always a lot of breathing. Because I think breathing always relaxes you no matter what situation you are. Um, but also my dad is really good at calming me down. I mean, he, we've been in many situations, not even in baseball, but in life is like, there could be times everything goes south or you're in a slump or something like that. We always got to remember that something good will always come out of this. So always having that statement in my mind is really good for me, but I'm um, talking to mental coaches as well. It's, it's, it's kind of funny because it's from like happy go and stuff, but like find your happy place, Make, find what makes you smile, find, and what makes me smile and makes me happy is that, I mean, I get, I get the opportunity almost every day to play baseball and a lot of kids don't even get to do that. So being able to just have that, just be able to have that opportunity to do what I love all the time, travel across the country, just puts a smile on my face. So that's really good for mental coaches as well, but they just like, they do a lot of like breathing exercise and stuff like that. Okay. So last segment here, I kind of want to dig into, like I said, before we started recording, always dig into the personal side of things to end it out. So first question here, passions beyond the game of baseball. Let's say you got to go take your mind off of something, cope with some stress. What are some of those passions, some of those hobbies that you have beyond the field? I'd say my number one hobby is fishing for sure. Uh, me and my dad are big fishers and we got a lake actually pretty, we got public pond, public lake, right. Um, in our neighborhood. So that's really good. Um, fishing for me is very kind of gets my mind off of baseball when I need it. And it kind of relaxes me as well. Um, I do like to hunt. I love hunting with my brother. My brother's a huge hunter. Um, I mean, even just like watching movies as a family is really fun for me. I like playing board games with him as well. But um, I would say definitely fishing for sure is definitely one of my big passions. Okay. So, you know, being you being a big fisher, big hunterman, uh, what are some of those best uh, outdoorsy stories that you got, you know, going hunting, going fishing? Um, Best story for fishing, honestly, is when we got – my dad got his first boat and taking it out in the pond was definitely really cool. Cause then you're like in the center of the pond, you can kind of cast out a lot better where the fish is fishes. So that was definitely fun. Cause my dad's loved fishing. Always wanted a boat. So we got it and we saw a smile on his face. It was pretty cool to see that. But um, that, I'd say that's my best fishing story for sure. All right. And you said you guys also like enjoy, you, you guys also like watching movies. What are some of those go-to movies for you guys? There's a lot of baseball movies for sure. <laughs> um, Major League is definitely one of our favorites for sure. Uh, Sandlot's always up there, but I mean, past baseball, we we always love watching comedies. We just love to laugh. So there's definitely like Step Brothers, Talladega Nights is a good one. Um, I'd say my favorite though is probably The Hangover. I think Hangover is such a funny movie. Yeah, <laughs> pretty pretty good set of <laughs> a pretty good trio there when it comes to the comedy movies. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Moving from passions to motivations, what is that helps you get out of bed every morning, helps you continuously evolve as a ball player, as a person? What are some of those motivations that you have? 
Yeah. Um, just, I'd say just this past month, I've, uh, I talked to a couple guys who've been helping me throughout my baseball prospect, um, process. And they told me to write down my goals on a piece of paper or print it out. So I wrote down my goals and I over kind of exaggerated my goals because I think working for working towards that goal, even if you don't hit it, you still try to reach that goal. So maybe one of my goals was, um, I want to, um, I want to squat 315 for 10. And if, even if I don't reach that, I can maybe still squat a 315 for eight and that'd be a PR. So I think writing down all those goals were really beneficial, but also writing down the question that they told me to write down was what do I got to do to do all these things? So waking up in the morning, cause I, I, I uh, taped that on my bathroom mirror. So waking up in the morning, looking at that and saying, what do I got to do to do all these things? So then I go out through the day after school. It's, I basically say to myself, it's go time. You got, you got to lift, you got to eat, right? You got to hit, you got to throw, you got to do all this stuff to be where you want to be. All right. So taking that a little bit further, let's say you get to where you want to be. You accomplish all those goals. Perfect picture of your life. 20 years down the road, mid thirties, everything's going right. What does that look like? Hopefully, Hopefully playing in Yankee Stadium, uh, with all, with all, just playing in Yankee Stadium in the MLB. All right, pretty simple answer there. And again, you know, yeah. hopefully that happens. You know, you reach all those goals. But uh, last, I guess not last segment here, but like rapid fire to end it off. Got six questions here for you. Going to ask them in three sets of two. First off, okay. first off, coolest contact in your phone. Logging on to your area. You go to your contacts app, scrolling through. Who's that coolest guy? And then go-to playlist. You know, that long drive you had yesterday from Indianapolis all the way down to Lincoln. I'm sure you guys had to put on some good things on the speakers to, you know, make the time go faster. So what's that genre, certain singer, podcast? What's that go-to playlist look like? I mean, there's a lot of coolest guys on my phone, I would say. But, I mean, honestly, my dad. If you really think – I think my dad's a really cool guy. But – um. Uh, plus, I talk to him the most. My mom's also awesome. I love her. Um, go-to playlist? Oh, That's tough. I'm definitely more of a country guy, so I wouldn't say I really have much playlist, but I just love listening to Luke Combs. He's my favorite country singer right now, so definitely him for sure. But, I, I mean, I wouldn't say I really have a playlist. All right. What's that uh, What's that favorite Luke Combs song? Ooh, probably When It Rains, of course. Okay, like pretty one. good one. And that's a that's an OG one too. That's one of his yeah, first Yeah, it is an OG one. One of his first hits. You know, I've been listening to some of those uh, uh whatever that new album's called, I forget, but um I've been listening to some of those lately and you know, he's a pretty damn good singer, I have to say. But yeah. Um, second set of two questions here for you. Let's say I'm taking a trip to Lincoln. What would be some of those recommendations you have for me? Restaurants, obviously I got to go visit Memorial Stadium and watch a football game, but Absolutely. what are some of those recommendations? And then you're able to have dinner with three people dead or alive, who would be at that table? Well, definitely some recommendations. Obviously, yeah, going to a football game on a Saturday because it's it's one of the best experiences because we sell out, I think, every game. Um, definitely a restaurant that's recommended that I think only Nebraska has. It's called Runza. And Runza is basically considered like Nebraska's In-N-Out or like Nebraska's Whataburger. It's I, I I don't get it. It's something called a runza on the menu. I don't get it. I usually just get a burger or something. But I think it's like it's like bread with beef and cabbage, 
in it, but it's like it's like uh, cooked and obviously. But I don't know. People go crazy for that here. I don't know. I don't know what it is. But um, three people I would definitely want to have uh, lunch with or dinner is first one would be Jackie Robinson because for all the stuff he did for the game, Forty Two is one of my favorite movies. Uh, we have his jersey hanging up in our basement, so. He's definitely been an inspiration for me and my family and I bet for a lot of people. Um, I mean, I would I would probably do my uh, Bryce Harper just because I think he is the most intense, competitive ball player I've ever seen. So being able to talk to him about that would be really, really cool. And then my third one would probably be probably Kobe Bryant because I think he had the best work ethic of any athlete in the world and ever. So to be able to talk to him about like how he developed his work ethic and what his work ethic is, this would be really, really cool. Yeah. A lot, a lot of mentally strong guys there at that table. Wouldn't even need a mental coach at that point. Just talk, just have conversations <laughs> with those three. Uh, but yeah. uh, final two questions here for you. TikTok for you page scrolling on the app. You know, what are some of those different videos that you're seeing? Cause I know that TikTok always finds a way to find videos that you like. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh dream um, NIL brand. You get to Nebraska and you have the opportunity to capitalize on your name, image, and likeness. What's that dream brand to endorse? Okay, so TikTok for you page is a lot of baseball, obviously, a lot of fishing too. Um, I would also say, I mean, just honestly, videos that will make you laugh, but uh, a lot of truck videos. I mean, me, my brother, huge fan of trucks, and then I and I started to get a little bit into trucks. Um, def- definitely a Ford guy. We drive, we drive Ford. So um, truck videos, I would say um, workout videos for sure when it comes to like plyometrics and stuff like that. But um, like I said, just videos that will make you laugh. Yeah. And then um, what was that final question? The dream NIL brand. Ooh, that is a good question. I would say, I would say Bass Pro Shop because Bass Pro Shop is probably my favorite store to go to. It's definitely my dad's for sure, my brother's. Um, I think I think having Bass Pro Shop as an NIL deal would be really, really cool. Yeah, and I, th- I thought you were going to go with Ford there, but, you know, Bass Pro Shop makes a little bit more sense because, you know, it's just this wide variety of different things that you can go and potentially, you know, maybe get some free stuff for. But anyway. Yeah, um, hey, Ford, Ford would be cool. <laughs> <laughs> would wouldn't, wouldn't it be bad to get a, you know, a, a 2023, 2024, uh, F-250 lifted truck um, to yeah. nail deal. But um, anyway, man, that's the final question here on the podcast. You know, really appreciate you coming on the show. As you go through, I know I think next week and you guys are going to Wisconsin at the Rock for a tournament. As you go through the rest of this fall, rest of your high school career, and then you know, make your way to Nebraska in the next level, I just want to wish you the best of luck, man. And again, you know, appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah, thank you so much. I, I had a lot of fun. I really appreciate it.